0: Come on, we're we're in the middle of a series, and uh, uh, y'all, I've mixed it up a little bit. We talked about apostles, and we had a missionary that goes from Peru, east, all the way around the world to Indonesia. Uh, Last Sunday, we had uh, evangelists in here for children. We had kids turn and had a good time with them, and we talked about evangelists. Today, we're talking about prophets, and I've got a prophet on stage with me. I will to introduce Adam Knapp to you and uh some know some don't, and you know uh we're going to talk about what a prophet is, what prophecy is and 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 let me just stand up a second. Why am I doing this series? It's I'm trying to wake up something in you. The spirit of God's on the inside of you, believer, and the spirit of God wants to work in your life every single day. What we do is we sit out here. And we look at the pastor, and we look at the evangelist, and we look at the prophet, and we point at them as doing the work of God when God wants you to do the work. And God wants to use you, and he'll use you in your job. I can go story after story. I'm going to give you two quick stories. There's a man in, in our church. He's in his 90s now. He worked for the Air Force. He worked on airplanes, and he went, after he retired, he started working for this uh, airplane government contract on airplanes, and uh They came to a halt because they had an electrical problem, and he was not an electrical engineer at all. And so he asked him, what's the problem? They said, well, we can't figure this out. So he fasted and prayed for a week, and God had him draw everything out to fix the plane. And he went to the electrical engineers, and they said, get out of here. You're You're not an engineer. You don't know anything about this. He goes, please look at this. This is what God gave me. He's got a patent on it today. Huh? Next story. Had just a normal everyday guy. He wasn't a Greek scholar. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. Uh, and, and so he works at this big warehouse, and just a just a good old boy from New Jersey living down in Louisiana. So he's a little bit out of place. And so uh, he had a dream. And in his dream, uh he's working and somebody starts yelling, tornado. Got tornadoes in Louisiana. And he ran over to the door, like in that corner over there, opened up the door, and there's a tornado coming. And in his dream, he said, no, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And the tornado went up into the clouds, because they can go up in the clouds and stay up there. Two weeks later, he's at work, and somebody's yelling, there's a tornado coming. Instead of running out the building with everybody else, he did just what he did in that dream. He ran to the door, and he rebuked it, and it went up into the clouds. Why can't we have that every day in our life? And as we look at these things, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, they, they teach us to hear God's voice and to walk as a believer. Jesus did all these things. And when, if you ever met these guys, you say, well, they're not special. I mean, they're not even the sharpest knife in the drawer. But God can use a donkey. He can use me and he can use you. He can use anybody. And so what, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, why, why do we need a prophet? And we'll talk about it just a little bit. Uh, and let's, let's read our foundation scriptures, Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8 says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So he gave gifts to men. And why did he give gifts to men? Verse 11 says, and he himself gave some apostles and some uh, prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the perfecting, or the maturing of the saints, uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith. That's a key, a unity of the faith, and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, or a mature man, or or woman, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And so, uh, as a believer, we want to hear, and and we want to receive, we want to be taught, we want to be... Uh, we want to grow up. I've met people in their 80s that have not grown up spiritually. They offended on everything's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. Preacher, where's your tie? You know, uh, and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So uh, all these gifts, I want to remind you, they serve. They serve you to lead you. And, and you know, what I emphasize, if you're going to step up in leadership of any kind, you've got to be a servant. God wants to see these are our gifts to serve you, to raise you up. Not to raise me up or raise him up, boy, that's, that's, that's been a problem in the body of Christ. I'm an apostle. Worship me. They don't say that, but that's exactly what happens. And so we're going to talk about the gifts. We're going to talk about uh, a prophet and what it is. And you know, anybody like me, I grew up in a church, they never talked about apostles and prophets. The only thing I ever saw was an evangelist, a pastor, and a. Uh, choir director. Not a worship leader, choir director. Yes, we'll gather at the... Okay, never mind. So anyway, uh, so all of us, all of us, uh, but uh, you know, you you start digging in the Word and you'll find Acts is full of prophets. Barnabas was called a prophet, a son of encouragement. If encouragement had a son, his name was, they called him Barnabas. So so what we got to look is these gifts, and so if you look at your notes, I'm going to talk to Adam, and I'm going to let him introduce himself, too, and uh, uh, let's, just, let's just dive into that. So introduce yourself, to people, and... Hi, I'm Adam.
1: Hi. If you don't know me, it's nice to be with you today. If you haven't been with me before, I've had the opportunity to be here a couple of times and, uh, and to build a relationship with Pastor Brett over a number of years, and so it's really good to be here with you today. And uh, and hopefully, as we discuss the prophetic and prophets, we can demystify it, right? Because sometimes this gets uh, too too murky of water, too over spiritualized, too spooky, um, and it doesn't have to be that at all. And so, for me, I, I tend to always go that direction. So hopefully, the conversation is fruitful and gives you guys better questions, and you
0: can bother Brett all. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, Jesus was an apostle. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was all of these things, and so and and I found out that there's a lot of pastors that flow in the prophetic, but they're not prophets, and vice versa. And so all the all the apostles and prophets are teachers, and they teach as well to build up the body of Christ. And so, what what would you say? Number one on your sheet, what is a prophet?
1: (laughs) Uh, um, That's a loaded question. Yeah. And, and he hasn't looked
0: at the notes. He I have no idea through. what the notes are
1: questions. I actually <laughs> wanted to be in the dark to so this be a little bit more awkward for me. Um, so your awkwardness is my awkwardness. We're sharing in this together. Um, a prophet, for me, if I'm going to define it, uh, it's twofold. It's someone that hears from God in varied ways, but hears from God and relays his message to people. The secondary dynamic that I think is the one that's often for God is from what you talked about in Ephesians. A prophet is someone that, aids others in hearing God for themselves. And so a lot of times in the charismatic circle, the first idea is highlighted. You need me, I'm a prophet, I'll hear from God for you. Uh, But the second element of, but now let me teach you how to get water for yourself, sometimes gets left out. But I think that's actually the stronger gauge Mm -hmm. of a prophet is who have you equipped to hear God? Who have you enabled to go deeper in the relationship rather than how deep you go with
0: Mm -hmm. what you're hearing? Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. It's about us hearing God and, and Him being an example of how to. And you know, I, I can do that. Back, back in the day when Michael Jordan was playing, they had that commercial, Be Like Mike. Well, you need to be like an apostle and you need to be like a prophet and you need to be like an evangelist. You need to be like them and, and understand them and grow up and, like, you know, I can hear God's voice. I, I can follow God. And that's what God wants you to do. He do not want you to be like just bumbling and stumbling around, He wants you to be led. According to Romans 8 uh, eighth chapter. Um, you know, that's actually in my notes to edify and build up the church. So in Jeremiah one five it says, uh he told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, or ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so um that was you, right? Yeah, there was some things in my childhood that were marked for being called
1: to be a prophet before I was born and then very early yeah it um, it's interesting though because so i think this is worth noting I, again i don't know what's been said prior in the previous week so if i contradict my apologies yeah. um a lot of times people will look at the fivefold gifts right apostle prophet evangelist shepherd teacher or pastor teacher and they will look at them like there is a way to climb a ladder to become those things and The problem with that is that that's not what the Scriptures teach. You can't become a prophet because you want to be a prophet, or you can't become an apostle because you want to be an apostle. These are the things that the Lord gives, right? He calls you as such. He gives you as such. Generally, you didn't get much say in the matter. Um, If you've ever met anyone that's prophetic and they're super excited about their call, be a little skeptical. There's generally a weight to this that's not as fun or as easy. Um, But, yeah, this is something the Lord gives, but he gives it to us Oftentimes, an in in immaturity gives it to us in seed form. And so the development of that, right? So let's say God calls you as a child or God calls you young and you, have, you, know, you know that you're called to ministry. That timeline of getting into maturity is a decade at least, usually two, somewhere in between a decade to two decades of being groomed by the Lord and trained by the Lord and submitted to other leaders and a part of bodies. And in those ways you grow because while you're young, even though you may be called to such things, you tend to make a lot of messes. Mm. Uh, These
0: prophets. You, yeah, and, and the, so you look at Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament. You remember, he's the one who called down fire. Mm. And, and, and But, you know, he dealt with depression. He dealt with he wanted to kill himself. He wanted to die. He ran to a cave and hid. But I want us to pull something out of that. At Those years that he, he was by himself. But God said, Elisha is going to take your place. And he put his cloak on Elisha, and Elisha said, Hold on just a minute, I'm coming with you. But Elisha learned from Elijah. He didn't have to deal with depression. He didn't have to deal with that running and hiding in a cave. He got the double portion. You know, you you go to school to be a teacher, and then they put you under a teacher to learn how to school teach, or to be a professor, or to be a doctor, you got an intern, or to be a nurse, you go training. I want to, if you feel called to anything, Go get trained. Yeah. If you feel called to be a millionaire, you better learn how to train, train up how to handle money because it'll go right through your fingers like sand. And so everything, you need a mentor, you need a trainer, and and you need to hear the voice of God. God's speaking to you. And and in business, uh, they they called me at 11 o'clock one night and said, I, we need you to come to the job. guy has been there all day. You know where everything's at you got to go down there and show him everything and try to help him fix it. It's Saturday night, 11 o'clock. i got to preach Sunday morning. I'm driving the whole way. Okay, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. I can't be here all night. i got to get up and preach in the morning. I cannot be here all night. And I said, okay. I get there, and I walk up on the third floor, and he goes, man, it's in and out. It's in and out. He goes, it works one minute it don't the next. And so I walked over, and I started tapping the antennas. I said, this is the first one. This is the second one. And when I tapped the third one, the coax fell out. Somebody had yanked it out and stuck it back in there, and it worked part of the time and didn't. I said, that's the problem right there. See you later. I mean, walked up there, walked out, and drove back home. But it was the Spirit of God had me doing it because I was asking. I'm like, this is it, this is it, and this is it. When I touched that last one, it fell out. And he'd been messing with it the whole day. The Spirit of God wants to help you in every area of life. Raise children. Be a good spouse. And so that's why we have to learn to hear the voice of God. And God to tell you and show you things coming. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, for every believer, he would show you things coming. Things that would come. So... so um, uh, just I want to read a scripture too uh, in, he, in Ezra 5, 1 and 2, and just get you to break that down. It says, The prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophets who prophesied to the Jews, were in Judea and Jerusalem in the name of God, in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, have you say that, and Jeshua, Je- uh, the son of Josadak, rose up and began to build the house of God. Which is in Jerusalem. Not only did they prophesy, but they helped build. And I think that's one of the most mixed up things too. Is prophets want to come blow in and blow up and blow out and never help? And uh, you know, there's a, there's, there's, you know, I'm gonna back up just for a second too. Well, no, I'm not. We'll we'll get to it just for a second. But prophecy is is gonna be a good thing, and it can be corrective. And most of the time, we hear this corrective stuff, and we don't want to hear from a prophet because all they want to do is correct. And they never build up and to encourage or edify. These guys said, "Hand me a hammer. I'm going to work with you. We're going to build this temple back." They prophesied over building the temple, but then they got their hammers out. Now, spiritually, we need to be as a, as you know building the, the kingdom together. Uh, anything you want to throw in there, I don't to talk too much.
1: No, you're fine. I, so there's, there's I mean there's a lot there to go to Ezra.
0: I'm um,
1: gonna see if I can hit them really quick. And it might not be enough. but So you have one, you have the rebuilding of the temple, and you have them coming in. They prophesy, they encourage the builders, the builders begin to work. And so there's a dynamic where the prophetic is supposed to encourage the purposes of God. right? And so there are times, and you mentioned the corrective, and we can go down that rabbit trail later, but there are times where it can be negative or it can be there to pluck up and to break down. But oftentimes, the prophetic is supposed to come alongside you and start to move you towards the purpose and the potential that God has for you. And so when you find people that are really only good at letting you know where you're missing God, but they can never tell you how you're getting closer to him, it's a reason to be concerned about what they deem as the prophetic. And a lot of times what that comes from is a, a misunderstanding of New Testament compared to Old Testament prophecy. And so in the Old Covenant, you're dealing with a theocracy. What that means is you're dealing with a kingdom that is ran by God, right? This is how Israel sees themselves, even to the point where when they ask for a king, it's an offense to God because God says to Samuel, I was their king, like Mm -hmm. they missed it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this idea then that the prophets are not just ministering in a church dynamic, they're actually ministering in legal and governmental roles, right? Now I'm getting some tricky water here because there's a lot of views on how this works in the prophetic nowadays, but I think a great mistake that is made is many people that are ministering today think they're operating under an Old Testament framework. So they think because they're a prophet that they're akin to Samuel or to Elijah or to Ezekiel. And the problem with that is this. We're not a theocracy that way anymore. They were dealing with a physical kingdom that was supposed to represent what would be a one-day spiritual kingdom. They were dealing with a physical temple, which was to one day be replaced with a spiritual temple. And so now the way we minister in the New Covenant is different. Why? Because I'm not speaking as a government authority to decide if the nations in the right are in the wrong with God. I'm speaking as a fellow brother and servant to come alongside you and point you closer to the one who's supposed to be drawing you by his Spirit. So what I'm doing through the Spirit should align with what the Spirit is doing in you and should be bringing you into his image, rather than necessarily establishing Israel as a kingdom. And that distinction's huge, uh, so that when you go from like an Ezra passage where, hey, they're rebuilding walls, and last I checked, we don't build walls and towers for war around our churches, so we got to spiritually see what's going on there. They're not, we don't do that anymore. We're not going to war as a church, not physically. Our weapons are not carnal, right? So there's this dynamic then to see spiritually how we as a prophetic people, right? So let's take it off prophets. How you, hearing from the Lord in your day, how does that help this congregation? How does that help this congregation get where it's going? And he mentioned two, like, simple things, but people downplay this. Asking the Lord how to handle your children. I know no one in this room has ever gotten mad at their kids. I have five. Uh, I have. Um, the oldest is gifted at getting under my skin. And, uh, and I love him. He's amazing. But he's gifted at getting under my skin. And there have been many times, right, you know, you go out, you travel, you're the prophet of God. But in your kitchen, you're not the prophet of God. You're dad. And he doesn't care, right? And so he will get under my skin, and I'll have, to, I'll have a decision of, like, am I going to deal with my son the way I want to? Or am I going to ask the Lord, like, what's the best way, to reach Brooklyn and help him. And every time I've taken time to pray, the benefit in my home, in my child and I's relationship, is exponentially better than when I just go to, like, the good old country boy raising I had, which is, boy, you've done talked back, and it gets real aggressive, right? That's how I was raised. You're going to catch a spanking for that kind of language, right? But if I pause and I'm like, Jesus, Brooklyn needs a spanking, but, like, what is there any other options on the table? Or my wife? Guys, I know that all of us are so gifted sometimes at saying the wrong thing. Um, It's amazing if you pray before you talk how often you don't say the wrong thing. And and so when we talk about hearing the voice of God, it's not just about, like, again, the spiritual and the mystical and the seeing things in the heavens. Sometimes it's like, Jesus, she's mad at me, and I'm not even sure why. Uh, You want to give me the opening line for how this doesn't blow up tonight? And you think like, oh, he doesn't, no, he cares because he wants you to love your wife according to understanding. That's what the scripture says, right? So understanding comes from God. Proverbs says in all you're getting, get it. So then I need to ask the Lord sometimes how to understand who he's entrusted to me. And that's as prophetic as reading somebody's mail at an altar. Being able to read your wife's heart or know your child's where they're at is just as
0: valuable. So when you're here and you're like,
1: well, I'm not prophetic. Well, maybe you should be. Mm.
0: So, so, so to just add what he said, I got Jeremiah 1, 9, and 10. It says, then the Lord uh, put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I, I, I have set, uh, excuse me, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. I want to stop that there right quick. Jeremiah was never a king of anything. But he's over the nations. We're talking spiritually. And spiritually, I think that's what prophets are supposed to step up and do. Because cause look at the next phrase. There are six things, and, and it's, the first four are kind of negative. And it says this, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. But it's not the church. It's demonic things in the atmosphere. And look at all the demonic stuff that's going on in America. And prophets help us. Okay, how do we pray against this? How do we take a stand against this? How are we going to look at all this junk that's going on? How do, we, how do we take a stand and look? And then it says to build and to plant, to build up. And see, that's Old Testament. New Testament is to build the kingdom of God and to plant, go and plant the kingdom of God over certain cities and areas and that God's called different prophets to. And so everybody in here, we're called to build up and to plant, but we're also called to fight spiritually, as he said. And so with that being said, we'll go to number two. What is prophecy? And I'll, give, I'll read it, and then you can jump on it. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, says, but he who prophesies, speaks edification, exhortation, comfort to men.
1: So it, ultimately, that is the idea of prophecy. Prophecy is to edify, to exhort, to strengthen. Now, sometimes this gets turned into a very limp-wristed, very positive feeling, sort of, you know, just say nice things to people. Yes and no. Um, yes in as much as there's no reason to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. No in the fact that there are some things that are inherently offensive. Christ is the rock of offense. Right? So there are some things you're going to say that are not going to jive with perhaps your audience at all times. Now the the danger sometimes for prophetic people is they like to lean towards that. They like to lean towards... And it's funny because in, in, in Jeremiah, the first four are negative. The, the last two are positive. And so often what happens is we lean towards the negative if you're prophetic. You, you lean towards critical. You come into service and you can tell this what's wrong with the service. You can let them know where the spirit wasn't moving. But we don't then identify what's right with the service or where the spirit is moving um, because we're hypercritical and we think that's being prophetic. And what it is is being immature um, and thinking yourself prophetic. And so there's a, there's a place there where we go back to that building up. I, at times, sometimes am going to have hard things to say. That's what God's asked of people that are prophetic. But I found that when I found joy in that, or when I judged the depth of a service by how many hard words I could bring, um, man, the scale was really wrong. Um, and while there might have been people crying or people saying God really showed up, I didn't, um, it's funny, Jesus doesn't say judge a, uh, judge a ministry by its ability to tear things down. He doesn't say judge it by his ability to, to be able to discern rightly. It, he says judge it by the fruit it produces, so what grows from it. And so there's a, so then I have to judge the work of ministry I do as a prophet. So let's say I'm, I'm brought into this church. I've been received in this role. So at times I've been able to minister to some of you prophetically. Well, I'm brought in in that role. The, the fruit of my work is did it produce Christ-like image in you? Did it make you hungrier for God? Did it draw you more into his image, more into his likeness, more into studying and seeking him? If it puffed you up or if it made people be like, wow, he knew something he shouldn't know, then we missed it, right? It, it, got, it got sort of missed. And so that's where I think sometimes prophecy, even though it's this exhortating, you know, comforting, strengthening thing, it can, it can be leaned towards the harsher sides of that. So like exhorting, for instance. A good weight coach, if you're on a bench press and you're trying to get that last rep exhortation is, come on, push, like, get it. You're just like, oh, please, you're doing such a great job. <laughs> push that bar a couple more inches. Like, no, it, it's not. So exhorting can carry some level of, like, really challenging people. But if that's the only way you know how to flow in it, that reveals an issue in your heart more likely than it does in the nature of the prophetic.
0: So so as, as anybody other than me ever seen it just weird? Hmm? Come on, you know, you just see the prophetic is weird. And I'm trying to break that culture. I don't think Jesus was weird. I think Jesus, everybody was attracted to him. You know, when he fed the 5,000, they figured that it was probably more like 25,000. They didn't count the women and kids. 25,000 people going out in the desert following Jesus, there was something there to attract them. And I think, too, with the prophetic or the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist, there's something that will draw you that, that you're, you're hungering on the inside and that God wants to feed you and God wants to lead you and God wants to guide you. And I think, you know, we see, we man, I've been jumped on, knocked down, all that crazy stuff, but I know that's not God. Yeah. And I want God. And if God's real in an area, I want it. And that's what I'm asking God to give you a hunger for more of him. And when you can't, when you don't have the answers like how do I deal with situations or circumstances or or somebody that God will give us a revelation on what to do. Uh, Let me ask you, and you said it, uh, a lot of times it's a confirmation, is it not?
1: Yeah, so if every time you're getting a prophecy, it's surprising to you, what that should reveal to you is you don't have a prayer. Okay, I'm going to let that sit. Some of you didn't like it. It's okay. (laughs) I'm going to repeat it too. It might be more offensive the second time. Um, if you're surprised every time someone who comes in and hears from God speaks to you, it means you're not talking to him the way you should be. Not because this person, like the, the, the visiting minister, is special. Not at all. They're operating in a gift, right? That's like most of the time one they didn't ask for, right? So this operates and it goes on. The reality is it's supposed to draw you into relationship to the point where you don't need the prophet anymore. like If he's done his job well enough, there's no job left to do because you're talking to God and you're hearing from God and you're being challenged by God. And and so there should be a place. It's the same thing when Paul writes, uh, he says, you know, by now you should be teachers. Why is Paul, who was a teacher before he became an apostle, why is he saying that? He's going, I was with you as a teacher and I trained you. Why haven't you continued in the training I've given you and grown to be teachers yourself? So when a prophetic person is a part of a body, eventually what should happen is you should start seeing more and more people hearing from the Lord, more and more people having things to add to the service. and that's a sign that they're actually building and not just tearing down. Mm-hmm.
0: so 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 as we look at these things and and uh, you know, I've gotten confirmation through the years of what to do, how to do, you know, I struggled you know, we're celebrating ten years of legacy church uh, n- and next month, or uh, uh, actually this month, October. And, uh, you know, when we were deciding on the name to name it Legacy Church, I struggled back and forth. What are we going to name the church? You just want to this and that and the other. And then I got a prophetic word. And five times the guy said Legacy, 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 which was a confirmation that we just changed our name of our church to Legacy. How, he didn't know that. But, but I knew what, what I thought, you know, the Lord wanted us to do, and then it was a confirmation. So God gives us confirmation to keep running, to keep walking that way or Sometimes you'll get a woe, and you're like, okay, I'm waiting, and the prophet will come and help you. But you're supposed to hear God. You're supposed to develop, just like he said. And, uh, and then it's just a go get them, go get them. But when it's a corrective word, oh, boy, I'm going to do God gave me this example. Mr. Clayton, you got something on your lip right there. Do you, you know, you need, to go, you need to go wipe that off. That's, how, that's a corrective word. Something going on there. You need to go, go look in the mirror. But you know how some people do? Oh, I don't either. Let me pray about it. Okay? <laughs> but you know, you got something right there. Or there's something that you need to change and you need to tighten up on. God wants you to, you know, He's wanting to help you to strengthen your walk and that you're heading in the right direction. Keep running. Run the race. Run the race. So, so. Anything else you want to add before we go to number three? Uh, yeah, um so corrective words uh,
1: there's a handful of rules that I have with this for myself, like this is how I operate personally. Um, you don't You don't have authority over anything you're not responsible, for, right? So if I came in your house and I started spanking your kids, likely, however peaceful you may be you're probably going to take a hold of me and tell me to stop spanking your kids. Why? They're not my kids. And I think one of the things that, that prophets historically have done, if any of you have been around this circle, they love to like show up in a house or a church that they have no relationship with, no history with, and then spank their kids. It, it, it bothers me in ways I can't put into words. It hurts people. It hurts their experience of the Holy Spirit. It puts a bad taste in their mouth. It leaves them doubting that the Spirit of God still operates and moves. And what it is, is it's because they got beat by a stranger. And what we call that is abuse. But it happens in churches like every other week. Right? Well, that's is some big-name prophet. Okay. But if he doesn't have relationship with you and doesn't have connection with your pastor and he's blowing in and out, then he's going to harm you. Why? Because he hasn't earned the equity to be able to discipline you. Right? And so it, Pastor Brett can share this, you know, and confirm it at least. Like, there have been times I've had hard words for sometimes, sometimes people in this church, and I'll say, say to them, hey, this is what the Lord's showing me. Do you want me to say it or not? out Is there maybe a way I should package it differently? You know where they're at. You're their shepherd. If I hit them with this sledgehammer, will it knock them off course, or will it help them move into right alignment? And so there's a place for corrective words where they're not supposed to be without emotional intelligence. And a lot of times the prophetic is used as an excuse to not operate with emotional intelligence. And that's really dishonoring to others. Um, and, and it harms people. It takes away their freedom sometimes. It tells them, if you don't do what I say, then God's going to dot da dot da, da 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 And that, that's just not the heart of Christ. That's not to say that there aren't consequences and hard things God may ask of you. But the way that we relay that message, man, you better be careful. Like, And I just want to, if you're in this room and you feel like you hear the Lord and you have prophetic words, be careful because you're going to get called into account for not just what you delivered in the message, but how you handed the envelope. And so if you're chucking envelopes, people letting them know you're right, you may have the word of the Lord, you may be right in accuracy, but you could still be unrighteous in your delivery and you'll be held accountable for that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And you see that all the time. People deliver. uh, Preachers, uh, pastors, they deliver the message wrong. uh, You know, and be mean about it. There's no kindness, there's no love. Everything operates by the love of God. It's a foundation. And so, 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 uh, you know, that's where the, the fear of the Lord or the fear of the prophet really, uh, that comes on people because they don't want to, I've seen people run over, you know, run over people yeah. literally. So anyway, uh, really what I wanted to, the heart of this whole message is can, number three, can all prophesy. And so, uh, just to start and, you know, I, I don't care if you ever give a message in church, a, a prophetic word like we have from time to time, but in your job, you need to hear from God. You, just like we've already talked about, we need to hear from God about raising children, being a husband or a wife, uh, t- dealing with your mama, uh, de- dealing with your grandma, uh, you know, all kinds of things that we have to, mother-in-law, maybe for some of y'all, quit it, you know. Uh, but, but we need to be led by God on how to do certain things and that's all part of We don't think it's prophetic, but it is. Or we don't think it's a part of the gifts of the Spirit, but it is. And so it's the Holy Spirit wanting to do it. So I'll read 1 Corinthians 14 and 31. It says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Like that, desire spiritual gifts. Most of us don't ever desire them. Uh, but that you prophesy. And verse 31 says, for, all, uh, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn. And all may be encouraged. And so, dive into that some more. <laughs> um, Hold on. You actually are a professor that teaches the prophetic, right?
1: I, I have been, yes. You have been? I did mm-hmm. that for about eight years. Um, that's how you and I met. Yep. Uh, I was teaching on the prophetic. So, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to ask too much of your, your sound guys in the back and screens and whatnot. Is there any way you can pull up a random scripture for me? First Corinthians 1 and verse 7.
0: They can do that. It'll
1: let's see. be on the let's back see if, wall. Let's see if I got it right, too. Let's see on the, on the fly if I can remember my scripture as well. Yeah, there it is. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a reason I asked them to pull this verse up. For some of you, if you've been raised, let's say, in a cessationist background, a lot of evangelical, Baptist denominations, cessationism meaning the gifts don't go on today. So he asked me, can everybody prophesy? If you've been raised that this doesn't even exist, it's going to be really hard for you to believe that you can do the thing that you don't think exists. And so I wanted to go here because it's important, if you understand Pauline letters, Paul's introduction, when he writes about anything, he lays out how he sees the larger structure. And so a lot of people, they'll go to 1 Corinthians 13, and they'll say, you know, that prophecy ceases, tongues cease, you know, and the revealing of the Lord, these things will end. And they'll say, see! this was the scriptures, or the final apostle, or the fill in a blank that didn't exist for three or four hundred years of argument, and they'll say, this is why that doesn't exist anymore, and I just want you to go here for just a second, because this tells you that Paul's writing a church that abuses the gifts, right, Corinth abuses them, they make a mess of them, and he says to them in his opening, I don't want you to fall short in any gift while you're waiting, what, the revealing of Jesus. Jesus has not returned yet. So that means gifts continue until what? Until the revealing of Jesus. So when I say this next thing, that every one of you have the potential to prophesy, I'm not saying that without understanding that first, the gifts don't cease until the Lord returns. And then Paul says to you that you should desire spiritual gifts. And that word desire there is covet. Thou shalt not covet, right? That idea of the Old Testament. Covet finds its only positive usage here. That you should desire it so much as to take it for yourself. And he says that that's what you should desire as it pertains to prophecy. Now, the reason I say all of you have this potential is I don't believe Paul was putting a carrot on a string. I don't think he was saying, hey, everybody chase this. <laughs> guys, only 5% are going to get there. I just don't think that's how he was writing to them. He was telling everyone, desire this, pursue this. It's within your reach. Now, you might go, Adam, that's never happened to me. And I'll say to you, I bet you never tried. I bet you sat back and went, that's not me. Mm -mm." And then anything that came to your head or your heart, you dismissed because that's not you. And what I'm saying to each of you is all of you at times God has spoken to you. You may not have perceived it. If you claim Christ, he says, my sheep hear my voice, that's a guarantee. So I know he speaks to you. Now what you might be waiting for is thunderclaps and the sky opening up and, and like Mufasa's voice, right? Because everybody knows God sounds like James Earl Jones. So like it's, it's there. And when you're waiting for that deep sun, like, but that doesn't come, right? It just doesn't. And so you're like, well, maybe he's not speaking to me. And and this is actually the metaphor I prefer for God's voice. It's, it's childish, but it's true, and it's it's despicable me. And so indespicable me, man, we're getting organ vibe. Like I just I came strong. <laughs> I just felt the anoint. The um indespicable me grew is driving with the girls, and he's realized. Again, I have five kids, so if you don't get cartoons, sorry. But uh, he's driving with the girls, and he realizes he can get rid of them. Like he can put them on a roller coaster in the lead, and in that moment, he goes. Light bulb and a little light bulb pops, right? That's the Lord for most of us. It's not sonnets and long poems and, you know, narrative style. It's these flashing thoughts that are more brilliant than we're capable of, or kinder than we're given to, or more generous than we're generally like to be. And all of a sudden, you see that homeless person and something pops up inside you, and normally you turn your nose down and something pops up and says, Give them 20. You go, Oh, it's just that's not you. You're not that nice. Clearly, that's Jesus. That sounds nicer than you. That's, so a lot of times, you are like, I never hear God's voice. I'm like, do you ever have ideas that are nicer than you? They're like, yes. I'm like, probably Jesus. And if you start there and not waiting for the clouds to open, you'll find that those little things start becoming more. And then you start to grow in dialogue, and you start to realize that not only can he speak to you for you, but he can speak to you for others. And then you begin to step into prophecy, and prophecy is just the testimony of Jesus, right? That's the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19. And so in that, he says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So if you have a relevant testimony of Jesus, saved your marriage, turned your life around, healed your body, did something for you, and you share that out loud in public, guess what? That's prophecy. Because it's speaking hope into someone's situation that said, God showed up for me, and if he showed up for me, guess what he can do? He can show up for you. That's prophecy. Now, I get it that there are deeper places, but sometimes we just start there. Yeah. And then the scriptures say that when you're faithful and little, it makes you faithful and much, you grow. But usually it's light bulbs, and all of you get them. Guys, you've been working on your truck for hours, and then all of a sudden it was like, I should do this. And then you said to yourself, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I didn't think about that for like six hours under the truck. No, the Holy Ghost got tired of watching. <laughs> he was just like, this is taking too long. Hey, it's this. You're like, oh, yeah. Look, look, honey, I'm brilliant. No, you're not. You were dumb for six hours. I was the Holy Ghost. Right? But we make him spooky, and we make it weird. And yep. so he doesn't help us with our car, and he doesn't tell us how to talk to our wives, and he doesn't tell us how to handle the stranger. We wait for oratories and visions and he wants to help you get your t- car done faster and mm-hmm. change that tire that he knows is when you take it in those little things that's
0: it Isn't that awesome you know and that that's the thing about it is involving God in your life and I we had a 1975 soundboard way back in the day and I played with it and learned how what plug wasn't working and this and that and the other and they were having a wedding at the church and they called me and said the soundboard's not working you got to come up here and fix it and I'm like I don't know how to fix that thing. And so I'm walking up the sidewalk, and I'm saying, all right, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. And in my mind's eye in just a moment, unplug this and plug it down lower. And I walked in, plugged it down lower, and they thought I was a superhero, but it wasn't (laughs) me because I didn't have a clue what to do. But the Spirit of God dropped it in me what to do. He wants to do that with every one of us. And all of us can have this, this, you know, we can reach people and change people. You know, last week we talked about being an evangelist is sharing your testimony. And I gotta add something to that. This week, uh, the Lord prompted me. Some of y'all say, "Well, my testimony, man, I've been saved since I was eight. My parents are are Christians, and I've been serving God my whole life. That's biblical. That's generational." Yeah. I mean, look at look at uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and go on down the twelve, and just they generation after generation serve God. And we need to, people need to hear that testimony. Because why? Because today I'm beginning to serve God, and my family will serve God, and I'm going to be the first in my family. It's going to begin with me, and I'm going to raise my kids godly. That's why people need to hear what you have to say and what God's brought you through, and it's great testimony. So, So, you know, we just need to make ourselves available to be equipped. That's why I do equipped on 430 on Sundays. We, we have about 35, 40 of us, and we just want to he- grow in the things of God and hear the voice of God. And it's not spooky pooky, you know, and, and it's not just, just weird. It's just normal. I mean, I, I'm going to have fun. I, 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 my, it's, life's too short not to have fun. And if you don't think Jesus had, didn't have fun, he had fun. He knew what, what it was to cry and be heartbroken, but he also had fun with life. And he, he said some funny things to people. Well, you know, answer this question. He goes, I'll answer that question when you answer my question. And you know, and he goes, okay, I, I'm not answering your question because you didn't answer mine. You know, and, and, and he's coming back at him. And I think that's that. He's probably funny, and i all know it cut them. But hey, you need to you need to hear God's voice. It ought to be as normal. They're walking to 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 Jerusalem or somewhere, and all of a sudden Jesus is gone. He's been led by the Spirit. He didn't do some war hoop. I'm following God. Here we go. He just turned and went. And they're like, where'd Jesus go? And he went to the pool of Bethesda, or he went somewhere and ministered to somebody. Um, before we close out, it's been good. Uh, is there anything you want to add? or you you to pray over somebody, or you got a word, or anything? Um, God speaking to you about
1: it? Yeah. Uh, this is weird for me. I've been here enough times I think when I say that, you guys have history with me. Um, Yeah, I don't normally do this at all. I don't need you to stand up. I don't need you to raise your hand. I don't even know how I'm going to prove that this is the Lord other than I just trust the Lord enough to know. Um, There are three people in here that are deeply skeptical of this entire conversation. There may be more, but the Lord said there are three people here. And he said, each one of you have been deeply hurt By people portraying spirituality. Either portraying that they were deep or that they were truly prophets, or and the Lord even said one of them is a family member for one of you. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say I'm sorry. I know that the prophetic sometimes can be such a mess that people can come in proclaiming they hear from God and say such chaotic things. And if that hurts you, you know, if you can go back to your childhood and remember some revival service where somebody said something harsh, or someone came in and said they heard from God and they didn't, I don't know who that is in this room, um, but I just want to say this to someone that does this ministry, that I hope you can forgive us. It's not easy to do this, it's not easy to step into settings and say things that you think you're hearing from God and so often the people that do it are the most damaged the most emotionally unhealthy because they've had this gift that they can hear from God their whole life and they didn't have to steward it or get healthy or develop or grow it was just there and people made them think they were special because something was in their life that they had no control of and in that they fail you and they let you down and so again it's weird for me to do something like this but I just wanted to say that if you're in here And you're going, this is not the kind of stuff I'm into. I I get it. And for some of you, it's because you've been hurt and it's legitimate hurt. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. There are ways to do ministry ethically. There are ways to do ministry morally. And the prophetic camp is not a camp that's allowed to skip that. And for too long, we have been because we have these neat, showy gifts. But we're supposed to be people that lead you in Christ and help grow you and strengthen you and love you and not leave damage wherever we go. So... Whoever needed to hear that in this room today, please forgive the prophetic movement for the damage it's done and know that there are some of us that are really contending for it to be
0: scriptural and to be helpful to God. Amen. You know what I love about Adam is is uh, he's had this gift or was in his mother's womb. He was, You know, his parents were told. And so, but he didn't just sit on it. Like a lot of people do, you went and you've got degrees. You're educated, highly educated. You're a professor. You, you all this because you have studied and and studied out the word and not just relied on some gift. You can't. The gift doesn't get you through. It's Jesus that gets you through. And then to be able be a teacher, to be able to teach and give understanding of the word and break it down. Uh, there's so much more that that we could say about the prophetic and about. You know, I, I got hard questions I want to ask, you know, because a lot of people prophesy from where they come from or what they want. And they hear from God, but they prophesy what they want to see happen instead of, you know what, let, you know, letting God do what he wants to do in somebody's lives or trying to make somebody change to what they think they ought to be. And you you got to discern that. So as we close this out, listen to me. If somebody gives you a word here, here, And it doesn't fit. Tell me. Don't hide and like. Well, this I ain't ever coming back. These people are stupid. No, let me handle stupid. Okay, I'm gonna be coarse. I've cleaned up vomit before, and I've cleaned up blood before, and I can bring healing to you, and I will help you understand or tell you forget that. That's a bunch of junk, because sometimes people miss it and they do junk just like he's apologizing for. Listen. It, it, it should be normal part of our life to hear the Holy Spirit. Every born-again child of God has the Holy Spirit. And He's come to guide you and help you, be your comforter, be your advocate, help you pray what to say. And, you know, I gave you examples last Sunday, being an evangelist, or just standing and asking God, what, what do I say to that person? How can I reach that person? Man, it, 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 the Holy Spirit. And you're walking away like, wow, that was God. That was God spoke that through me. That's all he's wanting is vessels. I got it right here. Can you make yourself available? Can we just make ourselves available to hear the voice of God? And so, you know, we're, we're going to close just a little bit early. but Adam's going to be down here on the front. If you got a hard question or if you want him to pray for you because your heart is broken or you don't understand that what happened, maybe he can bring some understanding to you. And so we're going to have our, our prayer team on the wall like normal and and this and that and the other, but... As we close let me ask you if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior you need to I mean today's the day of salvation and God wants you to be born again that's the greatest miracle and the number one thing is that's how you know if you're born again in here you have heard the voice of God I always say when I was 8 years old in a vacation Bible school I heard the voice of God I didn't realize it was God I asked God when did you speak to me he goes the day you got saved You, you wanted to accept me he drew me by His Spirit, and I go, you know what? I need Jesus. I told my mama, my mama called the pastor, and he come and prayed with me, and I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. It changed my life. And then I, But I never pursued how to hear the voice of God, but God has shown me through my whole life. That was me. That was me. One of those light bulb moments. And I thought I was arguing with myself, but I'm arguing with God. But come on believer, if you're a believer let's ask God to speak to us today begin to speak to us more. But if you don't know Him, won't you bow your heads today? Let's just, let's just ask God. If you don't know Jesus, saints pray for just a minute. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior and you've never accepted Him, will you lift your hand and say, Pastor, pastor pray for me? Anybody. You've never prayed and asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. Come on. I, I, I just Feel like there's one person in here. Anybody? Maybe you got saved a long time ago, but you haven't been living for God. This is one of the services, the key services, why you need to live for God so you want to hear His voice and to get His help. Maybe you want to come back to Him today. Maybe you want to come fresh and new. Just repent, just change your mind and say, you know what, I need to serve God. Is that you? Lift your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, you want to give him your life fresh and new? We can all just turn around all all the time. Lord, I need you more. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for me. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Renew me.